Hello and welcome to this edition of Stunt Mike, where we'll be taking a look back at last night's BBL draft, which players ended up where, and some of the interesting selections that took place. I'm delighted to say that I've got Gaurav Sundaraman with me, and who's going to bring all his insights and wisdom um, on this topic of T20 drafts, auctions, selection, and all things included. Gaurav, thanks for joining me. Uh, we'll run through each team in a moment, but before we get there, I just wanted to start with a couple of broader questions to you, really. First one being a draft versus an auction, two different models that get to the end, same end result, really, which is building a T20 team. Do you have a preference? Are there pros and cons of each? Yeah, just what's your view on a, a draft versus an auction model? Well, uh, uh, first of all, BBL, it's taken them so long to find out, get into this kind of transparency and this kind of uh, uh, selection. Uh, so I'm glad they're doing it, but a bit too late. But uh, I'm most of the leagues barring the IPL have the auction. And the South African League has, it's a mix of a draft and an auction. So people are trying everything possible to kind of uh, make it, uh, to make it look even. So uh, I think in an auction, you have some kind of advantages for the player, but I think the draft makes it more competitively, more even. Uh, the only problem I have is the order and the order is usually based on the position they finish at the end of a particular league. Uh, I think every year, uh, I don't know whether that's the right way to do it. I don't think people have figured. I think lots is a much better way. Just keep it uh, open an element of luck to everybody because sometimes the position you finish uh, may have a problem maybe for that team finishing first and team finishing last it's okay but every season is completely new every season has its own challenges so i'm not a big fan of the order of the uh, draft which but that makes a big difference considering uh, who comes up first so that is uh, um, what i believe a draft is more competitively uh, correct but auction is more exciting. Auction is more good for the player. Auction is more exciting. And auction has more strategies uh, because, uh, you know, sometimes the heat of the moment, a lot of impulse buys happen. You start picking players just because you don't want somebody else to pick. All these kind of uh, strategies come into play. But I think a draft is the best way and the most uh, transparent way to do this. The other point I just wanted to touch on with you, because it sort of sets the scene for what we're going to talk about when we go through each of the sides the, the the crush of leagues now in January, which is becoming the height of T20 franchise season outside of the IPL. And of course, the BBL has had to try and react quite quickly to this because Safka and the UAE leagues have really come together only in the last few months, really. I mean, you tweeted last night after the draft that you liked what the teams had done in terms of prioritising winning and picking the types of players they needed to fill those roles. But you also made the point that the BBL has lost any of the advantage it had. I mean, can you just sort of expand on on that view? And where do you, I guess the annual question that we've asked a few times is, where does the BBL sit right now, particularly with what's happening in South Africa and the UAE? Yeah, personally, I enjoy the BBL. And BBL is one of the great leagues, uh, which kind of uh, attract a lot of crowds. Yes, the only problem it had was the scheduling. It was too long. But having said that, uh, the, the New Year fixture, the Derby, uh, and a lot of close games, not too high scoring, not too low scoring. It was perfect. The BBL as a product was excellent. I really enjoyed it. And it had a good amount of Australian cricketers also uh, dominating. And we... 
I'm not, I wouldn't say it has kind of found the talent uh, like how the IPL has. Uh, that's one regard which could be disappointing for BBL. A number of players who come purely from a BBL perspective to the Australian team, they're not many. But uh, but the whole product was excellent. Uh, I thought they they built, the, they did the hard yards over the last four or five years getting to where they are. And maybe two, three years back, they could have uh, privatized it, started uh, giving some amount of uh, stake to private owners. Maybe things would have changed a little bit. They would have got priority. A lot of teams love to play in Australia. It's a great place to play. Uh, and the Australian public, the summer, everything is perfect for cricket. Uh, so I felt that they, they didn't expect this kind of competition. They, they're just being in their comfort zone. And now all of a sudden, boom, you have these uh, leagues coming through and it's kind of caught them off guard. Even the DRS for that matter is coming now this year. And after all these years, they're bringing DRS back because they realize that all these have become now necessities. So... Uh, and even the way they used to select players, I remember when AB De Villiers was selected, there was so much, uh, there was no transparency in which how he got picked, how much money he was getting paid, how many games he's going to play. It was purely that they wanted some star caution to come through uh, and uh, play a few games. Ideally, a league will not survive if you're dependent on a few stars, uh, which is why I'm glad that this year, even though the management may not like it, the broadcasters may not like it, it's a double-edged sword. You know, you want the teams to do what they think is right. At the same time, the broadcasters might be very disappointed. I, I Like a lot of star players are not coming. I would love to see the Pollards and the Russells and the Narayans and the Faf Duplessis of the world. But today, I'm not able to see that. Even Rashid Khan, I think purely it's a more relationship thing uh, with the Adelaide strikers, which I feel that they have retained him. But uh, in a normal cross, I don't think any other team would have picked him purely because of the availability issue. And when you don't have an availability uh, uh, problem, it's a lot easier to kind of go through the season. You know the roles and you know stopping and changing, coming in the last for two, three matches. I don't think that's ideal for a franchise. So uh, I, I really feel for BBL because I, I thought they were really good. Maybe if they'd had these three, four overseas rule and uh, maybe two years back kind of privatized it with a few uh, outside investors, you have got a couple of IPL teams here and there, you've got some uh, teams from uh, Singapore, some investors from the local area, and you made a good, good league. And then, you know, ILT20 would be scrambling for uh, uh, players. But now, I think it's too late and uh, they're not able to attack their own players. It's it, I, I'm very, very scared that maybe in a couple of years' time, the Aussie players will say, hey, I want to play the South African League, I want to play the UAE League, uh, I don't care about what you, uh, what your, uh, uh, what your rules are. So, yeah, as a property, I feel for it, uh, but that's the reality. There's a few of those issues that we can come back to again closer to the season. The Australian players will see a big money deal has been done to get David Warner for two years at Sydney Thunder. Chris Lynn's playing 11 out of 14 games. Adelaide strikers after leaving the heat. Um, so we can come back around on that as we lead up to the season in December. But let's get into what happened last night. Uh, we'll go through the draft. We'll go through the order alphabetically rather than draft order because that's how I've got it written down in front of me, having filed a piece earlier. So we'll start with Adelaide strikers. You've touched on Rashid Khan in your previous answer. No surprise that he was retained by them. They made the rule. They called the rule after him. The other two names, though, interesting. Uh, Colin de Grandhome from New Zealand, and there's a bit of a story around him today. New Zealand cricket don't seem aware that he was in the draft um, and now need to talk to him about what's going to happen. And then Adam Hose, an English batter who's got a terrific T20 record, uh, average 50 this season in the blast. So, Gaurav, your, your instant thoughts on those three names uh, for the strikers? 
Yeah, Adelaide having followed them for quite some time, they're a very simple side. They have a strict template. They know they don't go after really big names. They know that Rashid can do the trick for seven, eight matches and they're happy with that. It's not like Rashid's been available every season of all games. So, uh, they know what they're expecting from Rashid. They have some, uh, their local uh, talent is good. Short is good. West Sagar is good. Uh, they have a set template. Jake uh, Weatherald, I think, plays for them as well. So, he's uh, uh, someone who they can just trust at the top. Uh, and the new impetus is from Lynn and Host. And Host strikes at uh, 149. And that's really very impressive. It's not easy to do that. You see the grades of the game. They are all around that range. So, uh, I think I think it's again. This is the exposure which uh, he would like to uh, kind of prove himself, so that he can pr- do things outside of England as well. So, uh, Horse is a good name. Uh, Colin De Grandom, We'll have to wait and see what how that uh, kind of pans out. But overall, simple, straightforward. They know what their strengths are. They play around with their bowling, uh, and they're not a team which kind of targets 200 every time. They're not a batting heavy side. They have a uh, if I may call bits and pieces players here and there who contribute and they generally do very well. So they somehow kind of make it in the, they are a very consistent team. So uh, no surprises for me from uh, uh, the Adelaide strikers. It'll be interesting for me to see where they actually bat Adam Hose. I, I, it's sort of Jason Gillespie was hinting last night on the coverage that they sort of perhaps see him in that, in, in that middle order role, but it will just be interesting to see. They'll obviously get Travis Head and Alex Carey back after the test matches. So they'll need a bit of reshuffling, there, but yeah, I thought I thought those three names from them were, were quite interesting. Of course, Colin de Grandhomes caught a lot of us by surprise because he wasn't actually in the initial list of players that we'd all seen um, early in the week. Now I understand uh, that 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 he had registered on time. It's just that his final paperwork hadn't come through, so they couldn't actually put him in the list. But when Jason Gillespie called his name out yesterday, there was a bit of a scurrying around to work out what had happened uh, with Colin appearing there. So, yeah, I thought an interesting outcome for strikers. Obviously, Rashid Khan was always going to go back to them. Interesting, I don't know, I just get... I, no, I mean, he's... And we, you and I have spoken about this a lot. Gee, stats, when it comes to Rashid Khan, he's almost two bowls in one because he gets... And he, he spoke to us the other day and talked about bowling in tandem. I, I just do wonder whether at some point a team look, needs to look to evolve a little bit. I mean, I know, Rashid Khan, you're, you're probably always going to have him, even if it's only for, for eight games. But is is there a time when a, a team can look to do something a little bit different? I mean, Adelaide haven't won the BBL in a while. I mean, is there a time when you when you look to just rethink things a little bit? Uh, yes, uh, uh, yeah, they do. But you know, when it comes to the player of Rashid Khan's uh, caliber, you know that that a uh, couple of games here and there uh, wins are good enough from uh, a player like him. You don't know if you want to experiment with someone else, and uh, if they don't perform, it becomes a bad call. It's a very tricky one. If it was some other player, I'm sure they would have done it comfortably. It's Rashid Khan, and uh, he's still at the peak of his powers. He's still 21, so. Uh, yeah, I just feel that uh, I, I'm it okay. With a no-brainer. It, it was probably a no-brainer, but yeah, yeah kind of. I think we all knew that was going to happen. Well, we'll move on to Brisbane Heat. They've got two names in from other teams. They didn't have to. Uh, they weren't retained. So Sam Billings wasn't retained by Thunder. Colin Monroe wasn't retained by Scorchers. And then their third name was Ross Whiteley, a left-hander for, from England, um, a powerful left-hander, hasn't had the best of seasons this year. So they've gone batting heavy in their draft signings. Your initial takeaways from, from those three names? Uh, overall, I think that they look as the weakest team for me. Uh, if you look at all the franchises, they don't have that uh, 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 
they don't have a good balance and they don't have those players who which opposition teams are kind of have to be wary of lin was one player who, who used to be a constant banker uh, I, when you look at that lineup i don't see a banker there sam billings will uh, leave if i remember right he, he was he's the captain of the desert vipers in the uae league so i think he would go out uh, from this team uh, max bryant uh, mano will i guess bat at the top and mundo is now a freelancer in the sense that he plays everywhere he he contributes uh, his 300 400 runs uh, season again we'll have to see if they do it uh, kwajan uh, uh, manas labushan i don't know how much they're going to be available i think they're going to be part uh, they're going to come in and out or they might come only in the second half of the series so overall it looks like a team which is going to struggle if you ask me Yeah, as uh, Kawadra and Lavashane, they'll both be available after the final test against South Africa. So I think depending on how teams' fixtures line up, generally that averages out about five or six games of the regular season before finals for any Australian test player coming um, back in. So they'll hope to get a, a decent amount out of them. They've also got Matt Renshaw back from the strikers that was announced um, couple of days ago. Monroe's going to be an interesting one, only because I noted that he has got an ILT20 deal as well, uh, but he's been classed here in the BBL as full availability. So that's that's going to be interesting to see that how that one plays out, whether he's committed to the BBL and then will go to the UAE separately. So yeah, that will be interesting for, for Heat to see how that, and then I think they've, they've taken a bit of a punt now on Whiteley perhaps as a bit of a finisher i think perhaps in in that middle order role but we're venturing to see how that plays out interesting that, that you think that's one of, that they're one of the weaker sides you don't think so well i to be honest i hadn't if i'm honest hadn't got as far as sort of waiting the teams yet i've been okay. so immersed in the draft for a couple of weeks that actually looking at the bigger picture and all these teams as well have on average two or three slots still to fill with local players i'm not saying i disagree i would never disagree with you gorov when it comes to to t20 assessments what the thing interests me about the heat is actually the change of philosophy they're having this season it was something ian healy said when chrislin was released he said we're moving away from just entertaining to wanting to win <laughs> and that's a big debate about the bbl as a whole and particularly in the light of what's happened overnight with no dre russ no Kieran Pollard particularly the entertainment versus the winning quotient of players now i'm not saying for a minute that Pollard or Russell wouldn't help a team win matches but there does seem to be a, a broader consensus that yeah it's like these teams are picking what they need to win the bbl can say they want these sorts of players to play but when obviously you can't force a team to pick anyone so I'm particularly interested to watch the heat this season because they are having a a bit of a change of philosophy i think so they'll be one i think interesting to track when the season's does start it'd be interesting for them they will see they should see a lot of Mitchell Swepson this year so i i think kind of he might be quite an important bowler for them this season but again that's more intricate stuff we can perhaps get into in november december one team i'm interested to have a bit of a chat about now is Hobart Hurricanes led by Mickey Ponting as head of strategy almost the biggest recruitment of the winter including the draft i think for the bbl was getting ricky ponting uh, back involved they've gone for a strong pakistan uh, contingent uh, shadab khan their platinum player asif ali and then fahim ashraf so three players from one country obviously pakistan players don't come with the other league clashes that a lot of players have there's just a bit of international cricket going on for pakistan and um, did that sort of approach from ricky ponting surprise you gorav or did you 
think that he would be one of these that might look quite creatively at how to fill these three spots? So uh, all three of them are uh, part of the white ball uh, Pakistan team. Um, not too much uh, red balls. Fahim Ashraf is, uh, I guess, not part of both right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of debatable. But uh, they have a series from what I see in January against New Zealand and West Indies. So uh, I'm not too sure of their availability. So uh, again, uh, the replacement players will come in, I guess. But uh, when you just look at that team, uh, Nasher, I think it's really good. I am very, very impressed with the picks. They have a solid top order with Wade and Darcy, and they have. A I think you tipped order. them. I think you tipped them last season, didn't you, G Stats? I think. I think. I think quite a few of us tipped Hobart last season to yeah. to, to go well, and they, they they slightly underpowered in the end. But no, the point you're you're making there about the. The top order. Yeah, just look at the top order with Wade and Short, who are, and Ben McDermott, who are like just total bankers in that uh, team. And then you have Tim David, Sharab Khan, Fahim Ashraf, and Asif Ali. Tim David and Asif Ali, if they get going, man, it's going to be crazy. So they have a very good batting lineup. The bowling, yes, yes, with Sharab coming in, it uh, it helps a little bit. Uh, if at all there's some weakness there, it's, it should be the bowling. But uh, it's a good team. It's a team to watch out for with Ponting there. Uh, he's not going to mess around with uh, uh, the entertainment for sure. So it's going to be all win. So let's see. Uh, they have done their first part. Uh, I'm very happy and impressed with their picks. If Sharab and Asif and Fahim are not available, I'll be curious to see what happens then. Who are the kind of options they get uh, to cover for the absence? Initially, my the strategy which comes to mind, the first month is going to be super important. The first few games for most of these teams are going to be important. If you start well, I think you can afford some losses towards the end to make the top four. So the first two, three weeks of the BBL is what I think teams are like really lining up for. We'll move on to Melbourne Renegades now. They had pick one in the draft and went for, for Liam Livingston. That was trailed quite a way out from the draft. Always felt that they were likely likely one to go for Livingston. They also got Mujib Araman, who the Heat opted not to retain, and went spin-heavy with Akila Sain as their third option. Now, all those three players are already signed up to other leagues, so Renegades will lose them all at some stage, sort of around that early January window. So the point you've just made, Gaurav, about that first, that December block going to be vital, could be particularly important for the Renegades. There's only really one way for them to go after three wooden spoons in the last three years. But what do you make of, yeah, obviously, Liam Livingston, a gun batter, and then two two spin options. What do you feel about that balance? Uh, again, like uh, Heat, I'm not very happy with the Renegades. Uh, I don't think they have a very strong team there. Uh, I, I don't see them. You know, when you start losing so much, Nasher, I would want some wholesome changes there. Some change of approach, change of uh, personnel. I don't see too much of that happening here. And the Marvel Stadium is not one of the best places for Lime Livingston. That's my gut feel. Uh, it's not a place where you can just come in and score. It's a pretty very, even to, as a fan, I remember it's not a great stadium to watch in terms of pitches. It's pretty slow, not easy to hit. So, uh, yeah, Mujib might be a good option there. But Liam, I don't know. They've picked three spinners. Effectively, that's 12 overs if you uh, consider Liam's bowling as well. So, uh, I'm not too happy with uh, that uh, lineup. They're batting. They haven't changed. They could have uh, maybe picked someone else, I would think. You don't want to pick Lamb on a tough pitch as well as then I expect him to leave halfway and then suddenly expect to kind of uh, go all the way. But yeah, uh, yeah. If, I think in, in summary, it's not a great... Uh, you, they just got carried away and excited by la, the platinum pick. 
the the point you make about the pitch is an interesting one, and it's something that Aaron Finch actually he was doing a, a guest spot on some football coverage here on one of the broadcasters a few weeks ago, and actually specifically mentioned that they'd found it hard in the past to attract uh, top order batting talent because of the nature of the Marvel Stadium pitch. And actually, I mean that that season they won it in a very money boss type of type of manner was based on their bowling and their ability to to sort of eke out every run they could and then and then defend it really well. So, yeah, they've also still got five spots domestically on their list that, that they can fill up. So it will be interesting to see whether they can ever turn a corner. I think having looked at the fixture list today, Livingston might, there might while Livingston is around, I think there might be two games at Marvel and two games out at Geelong as part of um, the Renegades' home season. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see whether perhaps Livingston can have an impact away from Melbourne as well, where perhaps the pitches are a bit more conducive to his stroke play. So yeah, some interesting names in that Renegades list. We'll move on to their neighbours now. Melbourne Stars, always always seen as a glamour team in BBL history. Interesting, interesting three names that I thought from their selection. Trent Bolt, their their platinum, now that he's a free agent effectively to play around the world. And Joe Clark, who made a good impression on them. Last season, during all the COVID chaos, he gives them their wicketkeeper option, basically, that they brought him back, didn't have to retain him, no one else went for him before their pick. And then Luke Wood, um, left armour, who was in the England squad for the Netherlands ODI series a few months ago, is having a good domestic season in the UK. He was their third pick, David Hussey mentioned, he knew him from his days at Nottinghamshire as well. So two left arm seamers out of those three, and then a keeper batter. Big name in Bolt, perhaps two lesser lights in Clark and Wood. What are your feelings there for the stars? Good. I, I like Clark a lot. I think he's a, a very uh, a, a good player. He did well the last season, last time around. He had a good uh, season. So, and they again, they're also a team with with a kind of fixed roles. Everybody knows what they're doing. A lot of familiarity. Stoin is Maxwell. Larkin is good. Has had good innings in the past. Uh, and this just adds more impetus to their team. Uh, if at all there was a weakness, it was the bowling, and that's where Trent Bolt comes into the picture right at the top. Uh, again, a team to watch out for, uh, always in the hunt for the playoffs and uh, uh, the finals. So uh, they haven't done uh, much wrong. I, I'm happy with their picks. They, I think they've gone with a, a fixed plan. When you have these three players to pick, uh, Nasha, there's not too much of uh, uh, thinking around, uh, like I said earlier in an auction, there's so much more strategy when you have to pick from scratch. Here you have specific spots. You want to pick the best player, just go and finish it. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, stars have done well. I think a key point for the Stars as well this season is the availability of Australia's white ball players for the whole season. So they should get Glenn Maxwell, Marcus Stoinis and Adam Zampa for the whole summer, which you'd think will be a big leg up for them once you add on Trent Bolt for the first half, Joe Clark all season. Still got three domestic spots to fill. Um, We always say, is this going to be the Stars' season? But with those three Australians available... That should bring them some important continuity. I mean, last season they were hit very badly by COVID and almost had to field a scratch team, I think, on two occasions. But um, I know we're not going to talk a lot about the Aussie players today, but just just a quick comment on that trio of Maxwell, Stoinis and Zampa. Those are three players that could win you a tournament. Absolutely. They formed the core and all of them performed different roles. One at the top, one at the middle and as a finisher and a hitter and one as a, a leading spinner in Australia. So I think they have the three best uh, uh, players and it's also well supported. The availability is good, so I think uh, 
it's a it's a good team. And one question I wanted to ask you is why isn't uh, in, we know about the availability problems, we know about the challenges. Uh, uh, do you think BBL would have been uh, maybe open to having uh, pick the replacement players right away, uh, so that you know uh, that it's uh, you can plan your. Uh, uh, strategy. You can plan things around it. Already tell, announce to players that hey, at the end of seven games, Bolt is going to go, and we are picking this person from the draft. So now again, the signings become very random, right? Uh, it's an interesting point. I think part of the challenge they've had is actually confirming availability of these players that have already been picked. I think right now our understanding is that there's broad cutoff dates from when one they'll transfer from one league for another, but that might actually mean that. There's one game they might play and one game they might not, which actually, if you're talking about a Trent Bolt or a, or, or a Liam Livingston, if you can get one extra or one fewer game, that's actually quite important in terms of like knowing the balance of your side around that time. So I think ideally they would have liked more clarity on availability by yesterday, but I think just in practical terms, I'm not even sure whether the players themselves know exactly when they're due to turn up for some of these other leagues yet, to put it quite bluntly. I'm not even sure if we have... Do we actually have official start dates for both of the UAE and South Africa ones yet? I think South Africa one, we have Jan 11th, but not the UAE ones. Yeah, so that is making it quite difficult for list managers out here. But your point about whether they could have started to nominate some replacements straight away is a good one. And actually, that starts from today. So they can start signing replacement players from today. And anyone in the draft is eligible as a replacement but yes your point that the, the, the tariffs are sort of removed at this stage so yeah they'll just be looking for the best fit for those players but yeah it's going to be very interesting because the replacements are going to be almost some side particularly maybe not Perth who will come on to next but for some sides particularly the replacements are going to be as important as those initial picks because it's going to be half the tournament that you're going to need a replacement for so I do think as well just more broadly going forward that may be one of the things they'll look at in future drafts is whether they do make it a more open field, perhaps. And maybe may, may, maybe you could say you'll draft five players on the night of the draft and then but you're not tied into those straight away, as in like if availability changes, you have more flexibility. I think it would certainly, certainly increase the narrative um, around the draft. But that kind of leads us nicely on to Perth Scorch is actually, I guess, one of the moneyball teams in in the BBL a little bit more. They they passed on platinum, which is something we we did expect. And heading in, there was a thought that maybe David Willey's availability for the whole tournament would have made changed their thinking as an ex Scorchers player, but they didn't. They, they passed on passed on platinum. Uh, they retained Laurie Evans uh, when the Sydney Sixers tried to get him, and then they went Phil Salt and Tymel Mills. So strong English flavour. For the Scorchers, two ex-Scorchers player plus plus Phil Salt, who has experience with the Strikers, was that an expected route for you as well? No platinum pick for them. Uh, very much availability and loyalty keywords for for the Scorchers. It's a sign of a very successful team. I'm a big fan of Scorchers. They 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 know what they're doing. Uh, uh, they they've been very smart. Usually, you know, in the early days, picked a good bowling attack. They always uh, believe that bowling is going to win you tournaments, and they they pick players who are uh, T20 ready. They're not going behind the stars and uh, they haven't changed much. Even uh, Laurie Evans last time uh, was the uh, match winner for them. Um, 
I'm not so convinced about Tamil Mills. I'm not a big fan of Tamil Mills. He gets injured too often. Sometimes he's very overrated, especially. And when the English uh, uh, summer, maybe he does well and that uh, kind of gets carried away. Or maybe just lack of good death bowling uh, left-hand options. So if you're looking at left-hand death bowling options, you don't have many and you people pick Mills everywhere. So that's fair. And I love Phil Salt. I'm a big fan. He's really good. He's been uh, uh, consistently delivering across all leagues and uh, for the country. Um, I, I'm not. I'm gonna like. I'm very surprised he's not got an IPL gig yet. But uh, you need that kind of impetus again at the top. Uh, you need someone to get those uh, five, six over seventy kind of uh, starts. And I think Salt does it. And remember, the Perth venue will be very, very suitable for him. Good bounce. Uh, great place to bat. And uh, I think uh, that's a uh, that's a very very solid team. Again, core remains the same. They haven't changed much. They know their strengths. They know what uh, who's uh, who's going to take up what role. So uh, uh, again, uh, there are few teams in the BBL who know exactly what they're doing, and Perth Scorchers is one of them. They um they they're, they're the one team that has um their full eighteen list done. So barring any replacements, that 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 is their squad. I just want to go back to a point you actually just made about left armers there and a name who wasn't picked out in the draft but was in and had full availability was Mohamed Amir. And I, I mention him because he's a player that people still still register and still talk about. I, I mean, still lethal when it moves with that white with the new ball. I mean, given he had full availability in the draft, are you? And again, the, the, the left arm factor, are you surprised that he was a player that wasn't picked up? Uh, yes and no. The reason being, you know, sometimes player management, uh, managing uh, the culture, the environment, all that also matters. Uh, and uh, the BBL may not be a very, very uh, easy place for him personally, is my view. And players, uh, you need to be in good space. You don't want someone just coming in and just playing, throwing the ball and just, you know, that... Uh, that matters a lot in all leagues. How the fitment into a team, they say, continuity, fitment, etc. I think that way they would have gone for Mills because it's you know, he, he's a person who they can easily kind of uh, gel well. So uh, all teams look into that aspect a lot. Uh, so I think that's where uh, uh, I, that's my reasoning for why people have not gone for Amir. Nothing else. It has nothing to do with his skill. We'll move on to the two Sydney teams now. We'll, we'll start. With the Sixers, another team with a very fine history in this tournament, them and the Scorchers, really the two leading lights in in BBL history. Two familiar names are back with them, Chris Jordan and James Vince. And then is Aul Haq Naveed, an an Afghanistan leg spinner. Greg Shippard, the coach, seemed very excited. Um, He sort of teased it the round before going, we've got a surprise coming up for you in the last round, potentially trying to unearth the next Rashid Khan, um, perhaps. I mean, just quickly, Gaurav, how much of him... Have you seen? Um, do you do you know much about him? I mean, we all know quite a bit about Chris Jordan, Jane Vince. Uh, what do you know about Naveed? So uh, he was a, a net bowler in. Uh, he played very well in the Under Nineteen uh, World Cup recently, which concluded. He was uh, actually looked at by the, a lot of IPL teams. Uh, I'm hundred percent sure he was a net bowler for one of the IPL teams. I'm not able to recollect which one. I think it was uh, uh, RCB. If I if I'm not right, I'll check that later. But obviously, the moment an IPL team kind of uh, brings someone like this as a net bowler, uh, then you know the word spreads. You have enough foreign overseas coaches in the IPL. The word will spread. Yeah, and also mystery spin and the kind of spin he does. Uh, he's not exactly mystery. He's a traditional leg spinner, but. 
uh, you know, there's an unknown quantity, which is always good. And in Australia, we know how the Australian players play spin. They're not really best at it. So it's a great move, a good exposure for that. We've seen that before with Noor Ahmed uh, being tried out by the Melbourne Stars, if I remember right. Uh, he didn't go that well. So sometimes these goals, uh, these things succeed and sometimes they don't. But you will not know until you try it. So it's a great call. And it's just, I think what we need to kind of reflect is how the game has changed, Nasha. You wouldn't have seen this happening three, four years ago. Uh, yeah, no Indian players. Okay, no Pakistan players. Okay, let's go to Afghanistan and pick a young under-19 Afghanistan bowler. I think uh, full credit to Rashid Khan there. If not for him, I think all these things wouldn't have happened. It's a great, great story. And I'm glad that these things are happening. It just kind of uh, makes cricket as much more global sport. And uh, yeah, hopefully for uh, him, he succeeds. Just quickly, Jordan and Vince, two solid options again. The, 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 the loyalty factor big for Sixers there, both only available again till till beginning of, of January. Could they have been a bit more creative there or is it again that just sticking to what they know? Again, continuity. Wins is fine. I think for Jordan, I'm not a big fan. Uh, I don't know if I've echoed that in uh, our various Slack conversations. But I think, again, he's very overrated. Uh, uh, he has his odd uh, good performances in England. And somehow he gets gigs everywhere. Uh, maybe... Uh, yeah, maybe only if we're only if you're within the ecosystem, we might know what is that he kind of offers, uh, which makes him such a valuable asset. So uh, I guess they're looking for experience. So maybe Jordan uh, fits the bill. Yeah, continuity is a big, big thing nowadays in T20 teams, and I'm not surprised with wins. Wins has been really good. Uh, and he's again a banker. So in every team, Nasher, I believe you need that banker. You need uh, one banker at the bat with one banker at the ball, and then you kind of experiment with the other. So, uh, yeah, uh, Sixers are uh, doing good, and nobody can question them. They're the most successful, one of the most successful franchises in the uh, BBL. So on to the last team, Crosstown rivals Sydney Thunder. They went for David Willey in their platinum pick. As mentioned before, the one platinum player with full availability. They've got Alex Hales back and Riley Rousseau, which they spoke about wanting a specific number four left-hander role there. And they feel that Rousseau is a very good fit. My initial take on this was that looked like a very strong draft performance from the Thunder in terms of Willie is a very versatile cricketer. Hales is a gun at the top of the order and Rousseau seems a good fit for what they want. Would that be a, a fair takeaway? They've done pretty well. Again, uh, Russo is not going to be available. Hales is not going to be available. Uh, uh, and uh, they have to depend on Warner. So that's when things get a bit tricky for me, personally. Uh, I, you, you can do all the hard yards the first six, seven games. And then you have completely new personnel coming in. And uh, if they're not able to play those roles, uh, it becomes uh, difficult. Hales and Russo, uh, superb picks. Uh, if they play through the season, I would call this a, a very, very solid team to go all the way. But since they're not going to be available and the people around them are not uh, really uh, not taking the BBL by storm, bowling attacks also pretty uh, average. So, uh, yeah, it's a good draft, but I wouldn't have gone this way. I guess a good draft up till they leave and then it'll see, <laughs> see, 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 see what they do in the second half of the tournament, of course. And we'll just touch on it briefly because we kind of have to. He's such a big name. But David Warner back in the BBL for the first time since since, since 2013. They've really opened the, the checkbook to get him back. I mean, it seems extraordinary that he hasn't played Gorath since 2013, even taking into account Australia's schedule. He was obviously sought out by 
the ILT20 that he had he had a big offer put his way. Important for Australian, vital for Australian cricket, though, that he sees out his career or as much as he can of it here in the BBL rather than playing overseas for the final couple of years. Obviously, he'll play IPL and stuff, but vitally important that the BBL got him back. Very important. And BBL had to make a statement considering so much of uh, confusion. There were a lot of reports that he's not going to play the BBL. He may not sign the uh, NOC. And there's a lot of things which the Cricket Australia and BBL have to actually work if they really want to uh, uh, get more and more uh, people to kind of follow this. I think even without Warner, the league was doing well. People were watching. So I, I strongly believe it's not that the Australian cricketers have to play to kind of get a complete uh, audience backing. But what's important is uh, to actually uh, increase the profile of the league. That's where all these players come in and they make it more important. Uh, for, and it's great to see Warner uh, commit to this. But again, uh, in terms of uh, his motivation, how much he would want to like really, uh, is there some sense of loyalty, connect, all those things we'll have to wait and see. Coming in and just playing one season doesn't mean much. Uh, that's where I think uh, sometimes BBL, I feel, have lost a trick. That, that connect is there maybe for a couple of teams like Sixers and Scorchers. But I don't see that uh, for a lot of other players. So, uh, yeah, if uh, if if it goes well, Warner does well. Great for BBL, great for Australia. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll wait to see if he doesn't get a niggle two weeks before the competition. <laughs> <laughs> well, Gaurav, it's been great to get your thoughts um, on all that. It's been quite a big couple of weeks for the BBL. A new thing down here for the league to be so front and centre during the winter. I've certainly found it quite an engaging process for all its perhaps things that need uh, tweaking around the edge. We've obviously got quite a long time till the season now gets underway. There's going to be lots of replacement players signed. The domestic lists have to be filled before the tournament starts in, in mid-December. And we'll definitely be chatting with more to you, along with Alex and Tristan, as we get closer to the season. But thanks for joining me this evening. I really appreciate it. We'll, we'll, we'll wrap up the show there. Fascinating day for the BBL overall and where it might go in the future. Some really good names made it into, into, the, into the list. Some big names obviously didn't. And that's going to be a talking point over the next few weeks but looking forward to seeing how the BBL recovers from its from the hit it took during COVID I think it was probably the league that got hit the most certainly last year by the impacts of COVID so hopefully it can start to revive itself this season and then of course the big thing looming is the new TV deal which I will touch on again in future shows but for now that's all from me Andrew McGlashan and from Gaurav Sundararman thank you for listening to us on ESPNCrickInfo.com <laughs>